And we're live. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll. I'm joined again by Electrex publisher, Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. And we've got a special treat for you guys this week. We are also joined by the CEO of Juiced Bikes, Tora Harris. How's it going, Tora? How's it going, Micah? It's going good. We're really glad to have you here. And we're excited to talk about our first story, which is that we reviewed the new Juiced Rip Racer this week. And for Great. anyone who's not familiar with the bike, you're going to want to get familiar because this is a really cool design. It combines sort of the, the high power, high performance we know from Juiced, but it puts it in this new form factor. So you're talking a shorter wheelbase, uh, small tires that are 20 inch diameter, but still fat tires. And basically sort of a, I want to say almost like a fat tire BMX bike is is what I got out of it while I was riding it. But uh, we'd love to hear a little more about sort of the backstory here from you, Tora. Where did this design come from? Because it was really sort of out of left field when we see what else Juiced has built. Yeah, so uh, obviously, you know, every form factor of the electric bike will probably get some sort of, I mean, every form factor of a bicycle will probably get electric uh, assist at some point. Uh, and uh, BMX style is like a very cool uh, you know, form factor that hasn't really been, let's say, uh, made electric in a, in a, in a very clean and, and really awesome way or the way the juice likes to do it. Um, so yeah, and we wanted to appeal to the younger crowd, uh, and also make a product that is more compact and can fit in elevators and just kind of like, uh, just, uh, you know, much more smaller, uh, form factor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was wheeling this thing around. I had it up on the back wheel and I could see, you know, walking this into like a little narrow three-person apartment um, mm-hmm. you know, or an elevator to an apartment, that sort of thing. And and really it was just like a, you know, a, a totally new fun size, I think is the the term you guys used. And and that's what it, it felt like. But uh, I think in addition to just the new format, there's also some interesting new design here in that battery too, right? This is the mm-hmm. second generation uh, juice yeah. pack. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so um, you know, famously we uh, build our own battery uh, packs, the design of the battery pack, and uh, you know, the next generation of it is this, is this called G two uh, battery pack. Basically, what it is is uh, it's the same form factor as fifty two volt uh, battery pack. Um, the sort of the main, let's say. In a new feature is that it's able to to dock, so you're able to uh, put it into a dock, and then it can the dock can be can charge the battery, and it also can uh, be used to uh, discharge, you know, via AC or you know like USB and Type C and things like that. So you see a lot of these devices are becoming very popular. You know, a lot of people doing camping, e-bike, RVing, and then having this this uh, system set up is very nice. And it's also, it also can charge from solar. So, you know, that's been the thing that everybody wants to do. And, and finally, we're able to bring all those elements together and create the battery. Other cool things, yeah. it has, uh, um, I'm sorry, it has the, uh, just the AirTag compartment, which you pointed out before. That's awesome. Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I know, uh, Seth, we've been talking a lot about this idea of combining like a power station and an e-bike battery together, right? Because it just it makes so much sense. Yeah, I mean, people are buying these three, four, five hundred dollar power stations for you know off grid usage, solar backup, everything, and you have like ninety percent of the the cost in every e bike, 
you know, sitting there in the battery, why not add the, you know, there's an inverter and there's some ports and some, you know, DC mm-hmm. to DC converters and, yes. you know, make it elegant. And I, I think Tora, I think you've done a, a fantastic job here being kind of the, the pioneer there. Thank so, you. so tell us a little bit about like the specific, mm-hmm. uh, you know, device and get a little nerdy with us because we have a kind of a nerdy audience. <laughs> okay. uh, like, like, like we're really curious, like, you know, what, what this is about and, and mm-hmm. how you built it. So, uh, I mean, like, like several years back, I was thinking, okay, we make battery. I mean, we actually started with battery. I don't know if you know this, but, um, you know, the very first product that we had was just a battery pack. This was back in 2008 and 2009 when it was really hard to get lithium battery packs and uh, but the, you know, you could, you could kind of get the motors, you can kind of get the controllers and stuff like that, but the battery, the lithium battery packs were difficult. So, you know, I went to Sanjun and we started to get these battery packs. So we started actually just doing battery packs, very big batteries, like 48 at the time, 48, 15, I think it was uh, that battery. And um, so that was like, wow. Okay. So we can, you know, you have this, like you just say, we have, you have the energy source, you know, why not? Why can't you use it to as a as a backup power? Why can't you use it in the in your shed or why can't you use it when you're camping to, to power your devices? So it's possible to do these things individually, you know, using inverters and using different, um, you know, you can put this together. And actually in our uh, warehouse and operations center, we have uh, we actually use this as on a cart. We've been using it for like several years now. So it actually works. But that make it you know, to make it a product that people can use and, um, you know, make it clean and that, that can dock uh, and also can be used as swap in, into a swapping station. You know, that it took, it, it, it took a lot of uh, coordination um, and then redesigning the battery and then making sure the battery worked with the previous versions of our bikes. So all of our bikes that are in the field are actually able to take advantage of this new battery. So making, you know, and, and then, you know, future proof, proofing it. So when things coming out in the future, it, you can, you know everything can can stack and still be used. So yeah, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's basically the idea behind it, and and it's really a game changer, not to have to fiddle around with the uh, charger, the charger port, um, and it, you know, docking it. And the nicest when you have two battery packs, and then you can you can be riding on one while you're charging the other, or if you um, you know, or using it as a, as a secondary device and then you can swap them out. It just totally changes, you know, how you're using the bike. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, I, and sorry, go, go ahead. Sir. I was going to say, I noticed also you have a handle on there as well. So that yeah. makes, makes uh, yeah, yeah. it's, as well. you know, the very big, 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 kind of big and bulky batteries, you know, a lot of the uh, batteries are getting, um, you know, the trend now is sort of to like make the battery sort of into the frame and more, sleep but um you know we kind of like go the other way and say okay it's fine you know we can make the batteries real comp you know slim. but then your capacity is not there and you know technology now is just not there where you can make these really slim batteries and make them affordable and um you know put out a lot of you know uh, you have a lot of amp hours of uh capacity and the motor is getting bigger and bigger and more powerful so you really need even more battery than you actually think you need uh, especially now these i mean it really sucks the battery down <laughs> uh so yeah we so once the, once you get to a certain size you kind of need to have a handle uh to to make it easy to carry around and, yeah um, 800 watt hours that's a heavy heavy battery so yeah it's, to, it's heavy 
that that this is actually the middle spec. So the uh, the nineteen point two, which can also work with this bike, is you know it's the same weight, but it's um you know it's almost one kilowatt hour of of, uh, of capacity. And you know we've had this battery for a very very long time, and it still is like one of the you know highest capacity packs available. And that's just the philosophy. You need to have much more than you think you need. Um, you know, if you ever ride it, if you ever ride e-bike, like within a week, you'd be like, okay, I just need a bigger battery. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, the idea that this is both forwards and backwards compatible mm-hmm. so that if you have another juiced bike, you could, you know, put this battery in or in the future, you don't have to worry about it becoming obsolete. That is huge because as we see other companies developing their own batteries, it's great to see new designs come out. Mm-hmm. But if that leaves you with a battery you can't use and you're sitting in your garage now, how much does that really help? So, and it's know, also I, pl- it, okay. Go ahead, keep go ahead. I was, I was going to say. I mean, to me, that's you know, I have huge respect for that because it's really you know, it's it's saying to the e bike owner that we're going to take care of you into the future. Well, I was going to you know highlight also that is for recycling. I mean, why why recycle when you don't need to recycle the the battery? You know, these batteries when they're not useful for e bikes, they still have a lot of capacity. Left. I mean, half the capacity of a one kilowatt hours is 500 watt hours. You can still, I mean, that's practically the size of most of the devices and, and, and in uh, use as a energy device, uh, energy storage, it doesn't have to, it doesn't need such high performance. You know, it just needs to be, um, you know, have the enough capacity. So, yeah, with the dock, you know, this, you know, you can do that. Yes. Yes. With a dock. Yeah. And so, you know, these things kind of go together and, and we, we always want to make things very, very easy for servicing and for um, support. So having one basically battery standard makes our support a lot easier to do. I've seen bikes with two batteries and they use different type of batteries. So then that, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I think you know where I'm going, but it's just so difficult to uh, just, you know, every battery spec that you have, you have to stock all of those batteries. You know, this whole supply chain is filled with those and you're going to be on you have to be on the hook for those for eight years. So, um, you know, our philosophy is to try to keep things very, very simple um, as far as the the battery. Yeah. And in terms of streamlining your different products, I mean, that's, that's a good chance to say, you know, this is the newest juice bike, but there's several other of these sort of high power, small wheeled, um, you know, rip around fun e-bikes and, if you've got the same batteries across these different lines, it, it certainly helps to integrate that. But one thing that I've been curious about ever since seeing the Rip Racer come out mm-hmm. is, was this sort of an evolution of those designs? You know, when we look at like the the Scorpion and the Hyper Scorpion and the Hyper Scrambler, is this something that you've been sort of building towards? And, and what have you learned from those other bikes that went into this? Yeah. Well, I mean, how much time, <laughs> how much time do you have? <laughs> Play it on so us. yeah, well, you know, uh, where do you start? Well, you know, the fat tire twenty six inch bike was sort of like what became made the fat tire format, like let's say popular, I think. And um, so later on, the twenty inch form factor was created. You know, so like basically just made a fat tire 26 uh, inch bike, which was a very regular and they call them snow bikes. So the, um, you know, bicycles designed to go on snow. And um, 
you know, that kind of the, the e-bike industry kind of a, kind of took that and said, hey, that's going to be what we're going to use <laughs> as our you know main thing. And it makes a lot of it. It, it makes a lot of sense because, um, you know, with the, with the big fat tires, it becomes difficult to pedal because it's so, you know, so much um, friction and all that. And but what do you have a motor now so you can put the motor on? So you take a, you get all the advantage of the fat tire, which you get lo- a little bit of a suspension. It it just more it's just more secure when you're riding, you know, it goes when when it goes over bumps, um, and so, uh, you know, twenty six was twenty six was the first sort of like size, and then there was this twenty inch that, that sort of came out, and uh, I would say there was a company called Coast Cycles, and they um, sort of did it a bicycle with the twenty inch and kind of did a mini moto, and then that's when you saw uh um some other brands take that idea and make it electric and for us or for me let's say 20 inches always been a very a very good size for e-bike because you know even the first electric bikes that i converted were 20 inch because you know the smaller size wheels better for the motor you get more torque you get a lot of advantages with the with the smaller size wheel and also you get a compact you can you can make a bike that's more compact so um we did the uh we did indigo campaign for the scrambler yeah um and that was like supposed to be like a mini it's supposed to capture that mini motorcycle style so um just kind of like the you know these were these were very trendy um you know in in the 70s and um just you know make it make the e-bike fun you know if the e-bikes were going to take off they can't just look like you know, just like like regular bicycles. Some people just they really want to have that motorcycle style. So we did that. That was that was very successful. And um and then we um and then I said, okay, here's the problem with the with that style bike is it's hard for some people to get onto the bike because it's it's a high step and the seat's very long. So it's okay. What can we do to make it so that you know everybody can use it? So then we look around and we I thought about like the mopeds from the 70s and the 80s and you have like the uh, uh you know the Tomos mopeds uh those that style and it's to me that that this like everybody in the neighborhood you know had one of those uh you know back in the day or they were still kind of around it's like okay let's capture that look and that style and do it in a you know for, with an electric bike um and yeah so that's when the scorpion came out uh we did another indigo campaign and it was it was also very successful um so yeah so the big light as you see on the screen there yeah <clears throat> and our battery is fits is like adapted perfectly for that form factor so we have just enough space in the area that we can you know create that <laughs> create that design um and then yeah again, it's it's funny you mentioned the light. Uh, we we've taken so we have a you know hyperscorpion at the house. We've taken the hyperscorpion and used it as a like a a night uh, light for when the kids are on the trampoline or in the swimming pool and you know, it gets too dark. <laughs> and you know that thing can sit out there for like oh yeah know, day. three days <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah light up because of that huge battery and the light and the bright yes. light. So and also yeah. I don't know if you saw it, but um, I was riding. Uh, the, the the hyper scorpion um, down a hill at night 
and a deer jumped out in front of me. And I, you know, if I hadn't had that huge wide, you know, light, I probably would have hit it. Yeah. So big fan wow. of the big lights. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, you know, lighting is very important. You know, the lights, all the lights that we use in our bikes are custom made. So we, you know, when you go on the class three speeds, like the little plastic lights uh, is not going to do it, you know, and yeah, I mean, you're, you're approaching, um, you know, motorcycle type speeds. Yep. So yeah. Lighting horn, those things when you're riding is becomes very, very important. So, yeah. Okay. So yeah, the, so the, the Scorpion, uh, was also, was, um, very success, successful. Um, I, I really like that bike. Uh, you know, it looks, it turns heads because it looks a little bit like a motorcycle, a little bit like a bicycle, but it actually pedals, you know, like, um, you know, we put a torque sensor on it. It pedals like a real a bicycle, even though the seating is not, um, optimized for pedaling. So then, um, you know, comes, okay, so how do we incorporate this into a little bit different form factor, something more f- familiar. And then that's when we got uh, to the rip racer. And that, that is with the seat that can go up and down. And uh, we wanted to keep the bike very, very, very simple, um, but still offer higher performance uh, capability. Um, let's say we did a class two, class three uh, version. Class two is obviously the 20 miles an hour. And then class three is when it can go a lot faster, 28 miles an hour. And uh, yeah, so that so far it looks, we're just getting in it, um, starting to get them, you know, out there. Uh, and as I think, I think it's, it's a great little bike. Um, it, it may be your second e-bike. Uh, you yeah. know, you have one that you do certain and certain things with, and then you have another that you do certain things with. That's kind of like a trend that is coming, you know, and it's not like one e-bike does everything. Maybe people have multiple e-bike, maybe they have a scooter. So shorter distances, they might do certain things. So, you know, we're not trying to make one e-bike to do the whole world's you know duty <laughs> yeah uh you know uh one last question before mm-hmm. uh we we head on um you know the the hyper kind of versions of your bikes the scorpion uh we're looking at here and then um also the the hyper scrambler uh you know with especially with the two kilowatts of battery which is kilowatt hours of battery which is crazy um you know this pushes the bike in in race mode um, obviously it comes with, you know, class one, two, and three modes. Um, but in race mode, this pushes the bike over 30, you know, 35 miles per hour. Um, in the U S that's, you know, obviously in Europe, that's super no, no, but in the U S <laughs> that's kind of like, you know, in New York, it can go up to 30 miles per hour and some States you can, you know, do other things. You know, what's your take on the, you know, the, the present and the future of e-bike laws in in the u.s and i know you've been in china for quite a bit um you know do you think some legislation is needed do you think uh you know you've got you found like the perfect balance with the different modes you know what's your take on that hmm yeah um i think class i think the 20 mile an hour i think the european 15 miles an hour 15.5 is like it's just ridiculous. It's just too slow. And yeah, it's flawed too, because 
what you're doing is you're saying, okay, the motor has to be 250 watts, which is based on like what a human could output, which doesn't make any sense because now your mo now you have a bike that's heavier, and you're still giving it 250 watts, <laughs> and it also excludes a lot of uh, form factors. So like fat tires not very popular in Europe, and in um, and cargo bike is difficult to do with only 250 watts, you know. So they had to yep. do like workarounds and they compete on torque and do these different things. Um, in the U.S., it was 20 it was 20 miles an hour, and then um, early on the class three came out, which um, I, I I figured that we would do class three because that that really makes sense on the road. Um, and in some, and then in different places, there are different rules uh, as far as you know what is allowed. Um, so you know we're definitely pushed the boundaries. And uh, and but for the bikes that are you know going class three plus, these are really like small motorcycles, almost like mopeds, um, and they have turn signals, and horns, and lights, and things like that. And that's also another direction that I think that this industry will go in. I mean. You know, there's motorcycles and then there's smaller motorcycles and then there's, you know, uh, e-bikes and then there's like, you know, even lower speed. So there's different tiers of these things. It, it uh, you know, it would be a shame to limit uh, the capability of or the potential, let's say, of what these things can do. Um, and another thing is in certain places like California, um, you know, Cars are moving very fast, even on the, um, not not on the highway, on the surface streets they call it. And you know, if you're moving slower than the the like the closer you can match your speed to the the, the traffic, you feel more secure. You know, I always say like, imagine if you were just walking along the side of the street, right? It feels really dangerous if you're just walking right like on the bike lane, because the cars are just going by so fast. But if you were riding a bike, you feel a little better. And then, so you just extend that, and that you you know you you feel if you can travel, let's say thirty miles an hour, which is a very comfortable speed in that kind of environment, it's it makes things a lot to to me. It makes it makes things a lot safer, and the cars will respect you a lot more as well. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, agree wholeheartedly um, there. Yeah, so let, we'll see how the regulations go. Um, I know some other brands are also. Um, Going in that direction, I saw Van Move um, kind of like introduce this sort of concept. And uh, once you experience an electric bike that has that, that can produce, that can achieve those performance capabilities with the cars, you, it just doesn't make any sense to do like, <laughs> like you know, but, but, we under, but we understand, okay, you know, some places, especially on the bike path, you have to be responsible. Yep. You know, please don't, <clears throat> you know, uh, go very fast on the, on a, on the bicycle paths. You know, I mean, you can buy a car now that goes zero to 60 in, in two seconds <laughs> and, uh, up 200 miles an hour. And it's like, there's nothing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Makes sense. Right. No, it doesn't make any sense. You have to be responsible, uh, you know, for your, for your actions on the road. Yeah, well, I think you're preaching to the choir on that one because we're, we're right there with you, Tora. <laughs> yeah, if you if you commute on, you use it in a, uh, you know, in that kind of sort of capacity, riding along with cars and you know out there on the streets, you totally get 
why these things need to go faster and need to have more powers. So you can jump out of, you know, get out of the intersections and things like that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tora, so much. Mm-hmm. I think that's about all the, the time thank we you. have. We really appreciate you joining us, especially mm-hmm. I know it's late there in China. So uh, we're, we're big fans of Juice Bikes and we can't wait to see what you guys have coming next. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael, Tora. Okay. Take it easy. Take care. All right. So all what right. do we have coming up next here, Seth? I'm just going to pop over to, oh, it's National Bike Month and pedal bikes are great but I only ride electric bikes. Here's why. Right. So this is a bit of an op-ed that I wrote for uh, the perfect timing, which is National Bike Month. And uh, if any of you guys have followed my riding, you'll know I'm a pretty big e-bike fan. Uh, That's pretty much how I get around. And while there's obviously a, a large contingent of people that get into electric bikes coming from the cycling background, um, Myself and a lot of e-bikers have actually come to e-bikes without much of a cycling experience. Either it's been decades since you've been on a bike or you were just never the type of person to ride a pedal bike. And that's really where I came from. And this is something that I think is an important consideration during National Bike Month because of the the fact that electric bikes are are such a welcoming community and such a an effective tool at bringing people to two-wheeled vehicles that would never consider getting on one themselves. So I know for myself, you know, when it comes to uh, commuting around my city for doing utility work, you know, getting groceries, these are the kind of things that I use my electric bikes for. And I would just never ride a a pedal bike for this reason. Not that pedal bikes aren't great. No, if you can ride a pedal bike to work, then that's awesome. And you 100% should do that. You know, if you can do all your grocery shopping on a pedal bike with no assist, that's awesome. But for most people, the amount of effort that requires, especially if you've got hills in your city, just means that that most people simply aren't going to view bicycles as an effective tool for those jobs. And during National Bike Month, I think that's why it's so important that we start looking at electric bikes as this um, sort of bridging the gap between drivers who like the idea of using a smaller vehicle and the rest of us who already know how effective these these e-bikes are. Now, you know, I know there's some people, Seth, you're one of them who sort of has a foot in both camps that you like, you know, pedaling, you like riding a a bicycle in a traditional cycling format, uh, especially for fitness riding. But you've also sort of seen the light of how effective e-bikes are for utility riding, for getting somewhere faster, for not being all sweaty when you get to the coffee shop, that sort of thing. So I'd be be curious what your perspective is here. Yeah, so you're you're exactly right. Um... I, I've been biking my whole life. I, I just love biking. It, it's, you know, the exercise part of it, you know, gets the endorphins going. And, you know, I just love that aspect of it. Um, however, you know, I, I happen to live in, you know, the, kind of the Adirondack Mountains north of New York City. And it just so happens to get to my coffee shop. There's like a 700 foot, you know, mountain between me and the coffee shop. So, you know, my my options are like you know, put on the spandex, go in granny gear and spend like a half hour going up a dangerous hill at five miles per hour. Um, or, you know, I can jump on an e-bike, um, and go up that same hill a lot quicker, a lot less sweaty, uh, at, you know, what I consider a, a much safer, you know, 15 miles per hour. And, and I think Tora brought up a really important point. And, and I also see Tyler Donahoe in the comments. Um, it is really a, a game changer to be able to go at close to car speed. So, 
you know, my daily driver is this old, uh, relatively old 2017 um, Rally Redux IE uh, with a Broza motor. And, um, you know, I have, I have a few other e-bikes, including Juice, which I loved. But, you know, this, this bike is more of a, uh, you know, there's no throttle on it. Um, and it just quietly assists. And, you know, you get a lot of exercise in the process. And, you know, people can't quite tell if it's an e-bike or not. But, you know, I'm traveling at 28 miles per hour for most of the ride, except for the, you know, the, the steep hills. And I'm traveling with traffic. So the, the speed limit around me is uh, 30 miles per hour. So, you know, cars don't really necessarily try to pass me except on the hill. And um, it just feels a lot safer uh, when you're riding with traffic rather than, you know, traffic trying to get around you. So, you know, those are some of the reasons why e-bikes are fantastic for me. And, you know, I still, I still have a gravel bike that I take out every once in a while um, for long trips. I try to do a century ride, you know, at least once a year. Um, so, you know, I, I'm still there, you know, we have a Peloton that I, I still, you know, probably ride almost probably every other day on average. So I'm still all about pedaling. It's just not really realistic that I'm going to go up that super steep hill and e-bikes are frankly, you know, a ton of fun. It, you know, having that extra power makes it feel like you're a kid again with limitless, you know, torque in your, your knees, even though my knees are, you know, pushing 50 years old and, and, you know, I want to save them for snowboarding. So. <laughs> yeah. Choose your battles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, certainly not an attack on pedaling, but uh, I think it is important for a lot of people who wouldn't consider bikes to realize that there's a, a new option out there. Yep. All right. So let's move on. Uh, new York city wants to take 25% of the street space away from cars in favorable favor of a walkable bikeable city i am super excited about this because if if you're someone who regularly bikes walks rides a scooter anything other than a car basically in a city you know how little of the city is actually domain that is set aside for you you know almost the entirety of cities is currently designed for car use and that leaves so little for the rest of us to use and this plan which uh, it's actually not NYC's plan. It's from a group called uh, Transportation Alternatives. And it's this uh, plan that they've worked up for multiple cities. And in New York City, it would take 25% of the streets and it would convert them into uh, more public domain spaces. So that means uh, public transportation like bus lanes, bicycle lanes, urban parks. Uh, it also would involve creating new uh, dumpsters and trash receptacles on the street so you don't get these big piles of New York City garbage that you have to walk around on the sidewalk that, you know, encroach upon pedestrian space. So this idea is is just, you know, super interesting to me as someone who regularly gets around cities without using a car. But Seth, I know you're in New York City a lot more than I am. So I'm curious what your perspective is on this, particularly how it relates to the city. Oh, I, I, I absolutely love the idea as well. Um, you know, just even before COVID, uh, New York city has been trying to do make inroads, uh, literally on, you know, in pedestrian and bike walkways, they've closed down Broadway for, you know, from midtown to like, uh, actually, I don't know how far it goes. Uh, but you know, for maybe 20 blocks of mid, uh, Broadway and midtown is, is closed off to, 
uh, cars and it's fantastic. Um, it's not just, it's not the, just the driving, but you know, the, you can also kind of feel a little bit less pollution, a little less heat, a little less tension. Um, it's fantastic. And, you know, I used to be a kind of a road rage, uh, rider in New York city. Um, whenever I got cut off by a cab, um, I would, you know, go and knock off its rear view mirror and then we get into like a chase and it would be crazy. Um, so I, I really love the idea that New York city is thinking about or moving in the direction of, uh, carless streets. Um, and you know, a city is just not a place for a car. Like, you know, electric is a electric vehicle website and we obviously cover uh, cars. Um, cars, are just don't belong in cities like it, you know, just park at the train station, take the train in. It, it's going to be your best experience anyway. Um, it's like, you can see the, the, the picture here for those watching. Um, it just, cars are just ruining this whole experience. You know, you've got all this walkable stuff. You got, you know, just fun things and, and bikes are a great way to get around. Um, and you know, electric bikes make it even easier. And you know, I don't think I don't know if we've ridden around New York City together, Micah. But you know, on an electric bike in New York City, there's no faster way to get around. Like you can pass ambulances, you can pass, you know, like you can go faster than subways, you can go faster than just any other vehicle because you know you can weave in and out of traffic if you want. You can stay in the bike lanes if you want. Um, but you know, getting that traffic out of the way, getting the danger out of the way. Um, is going to allow more people to do that. And frankly, like, just get these cars out of there. Like, cars do not belong in the city. Um, you know, I, I get it. Like, some people have some, you know, accessibility type of issues. You know, obviously, that's fine. Um, you know, you, there's going to be delivery things. You know, we can we can do that in certain hours. The trash trucks are always going to have to exist some in some form factor. You know, we can we can deal with that. But like you know, owning a car in New York city is just plain stupid. Um, you know, driving to New York city, sh it should be so hard to do that. Everybody should be forced to, you know, go to, go to a train station and, and drive down or, and, and take the train in. So, I mean, that's my take. Um, and I, I think New York city's doing the right thing here. Yeah. I'm amazed people even still want to drive in New York city. It can't be a fun experience. No, it sucks. Um, I recently had a Rivian, uh, and I had to return it even, you know, to Brooklyn. And I was like, this thing is amazing. This thing is amazing. And then after 20 minutes of driving in New York city, I was like, I don't want to drive anymore. Like, I just don't want to be in a vehicle. So that, that's what it'll, what it'll do to you. So moving on here, uh, specialized is launching a more affordable electric bicycle line focusing on utility e-bikes so specialized and affordable don't normally <laughs> go together in the same sentence specialized makes you know awesome bikes really great e-bikes really but good ones, yeah. they're a they're a more luxury brand so you know we don't we don't expect them to be on the affordable end but they've started this new sub brand which is going to be more of a utility line called globe and this is going to be a new line of more affordable electric bikes focusing on sort of a light cargo bike it's it's looking like we don't have the full specs yet we do have this teaser photo here and what i can see so far from the teaser photo is something that looks to me kind of like a mashup of maybe a a turn and a rad runner perhaps you know mm -hmm. we've got those 
those fat tires uh, in a smaller, looks like 20 inch format. We've got a long stretched rear, not quite a long tail, but, you know, sort of a, a medium tail, maybe bike, um, you know, long rear rack, the ability to put panniers on both the front and the back, which in this photo it seems like they've covered all the important bits with cacti, which is, uh, you know, frustrating, but that's the point of a teaser, I guess. Uh, yeah, other than that, I, we, sorry, yeah, go on. It, it definitely has, uh, turned GSD vibes to it. Um, and it, you know, with that front end, it kind of looks like there's some modularity to it where it, you know, in this, in this form factor, it kind of looks like a, you know, a rad runner ish kind of thing, but, um, you know, you could easily see uh, a cargo uh, add on like a, I'm trying to think of the brands that do that. Um, but it, it definitely looks like uh, there, this is kind of like a base for uh, a kind of a lineup of, of bikes. Yeah, I can, I can absolutely see that. And uh, especially, you know, if they're going to start with a more affordable price then being able to offer lots of different add on accessories is only going to become that more, you know, accessible to people when you, when you've got a, a lower base price and, you know, design points, like the one thing that I can see here that actually gives something away is a hub motor in the rear. So we at least know, you know, we're starting with a hub motor. It's not going to be a mid drive. So that already tells us we're going to have a lower price. How much lower? That's anyone's guess. But, um, you know, we can already see that with that type of, um, loadout that we're not looking at the higher end Broza motors that Specialized has gone with in the past mm-hmm. or even their own in-house motors. So, Hopefully this is going to come in at a, a pretty affordable price and it could even compete with some of the, you know, affordable cargo bikes like a Rad Runner. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, the, those price points are definitely going to be interesting to watch. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, let's take a closer look at Rayvolt's stunning electric e-bikes, e-motorcycle and high-tech new brand Excite. So I was recently in Barcelona to attend Rayvolt's annual um, press and dealer conference. It was canceled the last two years. I'd been in, uh, 2019, I guess. Um, and it was great to be back and see all of their new models. Rayvolt, if you're not familiar, they're a Barcelona based, really, um, you know, high end design company in terms of just these really sleek, sexy, almost steampunk retro styled, electric bikes that, you know, some of them take on almost motorcycle formats. Some of them are, you know, very narrow tubes, almost uh, fixie messenger type bikes. They've got Catalonian leather work, brass accents. I mean, everything is just incredibly nicely designed. But even more important than that, even, you know, what, what catches the eye for me anyways, more than just the design is really the the level of technology they've developed for these. So all of the tech they've developed in-house. You know, when it comes to the motors, they, they've got, you know, the traditional motor plate magnets, that sort of thing. But they've designed the innards. They've designed the controllers, all the electronics. They've done all of the software themselves. Uh, I've met their CTO, Jaime, a few times. And the guy is just like a genius with this stuff. Uh, they've been able to implement all sorts of interesting features because of that. Like um, their regenerative braking is variable and you can even pedal backwards to engage it. And, you know, the faster you pedal backwards, the more regenerative braking power you get. And in fact, in test riding these, I basically didn't need to use the uh, actual brake levers at all. I could do it all from regenerative braking. And they even have this really cool feature called Regen Fit, where you can take your e-bike, put it up on like a trainer or a stand, 
and pedal it like an exercise bike. And it will use the regenerative braking to charge the battery. And then using the app, you can, you know, do all the sliders to choose how hard you're working, how long a workout you want, that sort of thing. And you see it all in real time on this app. Um, the other cool thing about this app that they've developed is it's Android based. And then they've got a built-in display on some of their bikes that is also uh, Android based, which means you can actually take any app you want and install it on there. So if you want Google Maps on your e-bikes display, you know, you just swipe over and you're in Google Maps kind of thing. Or, you know, if you want Instagram, so you're you know, checking your feed or something while you're riding, it's right there. And so it's it's cool they've gone with that sort of open source display while developing their own Android app as well. Um, and then the one other really cool thing, I think it's at the bottom there. Yeah, is the uh, the motorcycle they're developing. There's actually two different motorcycles they're working on. Um, and this is the larger of the two. And it's going to have something like, I think it was 20 five or 27 kilowatt hours. I mean, it's like this gigantic battery in these four tubes down there, but the rest of the bike is set up like a um, more of a cruiser format, you know, that feet forward design. And it's just like a beautiful, again, you know, this Catalonian leather work, um, almost, almost steampunk. I mean, I'm kind of at a loss of words for, for how to describe this. Um, I, I don't know. What do, what do you think of these designs, Seth? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of its own thing. Uh, the 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 leather there's definitely a steampunk component to it but um you know it, it's like the the retro futuristic retro you know what yeah there's no there's no exact way to describe it you know i i do like the uh the battery compartments kind of looking like uh, almost like scuba tanks or something <laughs> there in the uh the bottom are they removable or was that even a no, they're they're not removable, unfortunately. Um, that would be a cool feature to add. Maybe, you know, it could be something that they would work on if they're divided like that. But I think each one of those is going to be like five or six kilowatt hours. So you're probably talking, you know, quite heavy. 50, 55 pounds each of those tubes. Not impossible, but uh, a little heavy. Um, yeah. it, and and I have to agree with you um, that the fact that you can, it's called fit. Uh, regen you, fit. Yeah. Regen fit. You basically put the bike on a stand and and you can pedal it and generate electricity. You know, you combine that with like Tora's uh, little uh, dock there, and you could you know power the general area where you're at with uh, some fitness stuff. I think that would be like a really cool feature. And obviously, these guys are really ahead of the curve on technology. So perhaps that's something uh, coming down the pike there. Yeah. It, it's hard it's hard to imagine a better you know combination of technology gear design like their design is you know a 10 the technology is a 10 you know obviously the prices are high but not crazy high like not out of reach it's just a great company to uh to to see you know because they're doing their original stuff both in the form and function so big fans here yeah, absolutely. And uh, they're expanding into so many more countries now, too. So they're, you know, in the US, uh, they're all over Europe, of course. Uh, they're expanding into um, Asia, I think Australia. Um, I know there's a, a Tel Aviv dealer opening up near me. So if you like nice. these bikes, you might be surprised to find that they're, you know, expanding into countries and they, they might be where you are, too. Yeah, we'll have to look out for that. Um, all right, moving on. Uh Ukraine uh, is now using 
uh, these 200-mile range electric bikes with NLAW rockets to take out Russian tanks. Crazy. Yeah, isn't it? So these are uh, bikes from a company called Delfast. They're a local Ukrainian company, and they build these you know, high power, I think it's like 3,000 watt continuous electric bikes with giant batteries. Uh, they claim 200 mile range, and they actually set Guinness World Record a few years ago for longest range on a production bike. Now, it is with pedaling, um, though I think they set it without pedaling at like some really low speed. But these are you know, very um, long travel suspension, rugged bikes. And Delfast has outfitted a number of these with special racks to be able to carry, in this case, either an NLAW rocket or the US Javelin rocket. And these are uh, anti-tank, man-portable, um, you know, anti-armor missiles, essentially. And so the way they're being used in Ukraine right now is to approach any um, you know, firing area that would be hard to get into, that you need to move into quickly, target a Russian tank or, or other armored vehicle, and be able to take a shot and get out of there before uh, any of the uh, enemy forces respond. And so this is probably not the first use you would think of for an e-bike like this. I mean, hopefully Delfast bikes are, yeah. Um, I mean, these, these are really meant for, you know, recreational, you know, off-roading, overlanding, that sort of thing. But the fact that so quickly Delfast was able to say, you know, we've got this technology, we've got vehicles that can be used in the field for such an important mission right now and get those outfitted for uh, their armed forces and, and get them into the field is really impressive. And these are actually making a difference. I mean, you know, it, I mean, it's cool to read about these things, but this is, you know, like this is life and death. These are, these are important tools that are being used every day in this armed conflict. And so I think it's incredible that this e-bike company that's long been making, you know, fun, let's go out in the woods and ride bikes is suddenly making such an important tool for their country. And, yeah. and that's just incredible. Yeah, it's it, it is nice to see uh them coming to to plate there. Um as Tyler Donahoe uh notes, um the fact that these are electric bikes and quiet uh certainly helps with their ability to sneak up on the enemy. Uh you know, you don't want a loud uh motorcycle making noise and and uh ruining the uh, surprise, I guess. Um yeah, low, uh, low heat signature too, which is right. another important thing because, um, you know, the exhaust on a dirt bike would show up like, you know, a giant cloud on any thermal imaging. So the fact that you can ride up and, you know, basically sneak up on a tank, even one that has thermal imaging is, you know, just a huge stealth advantage of these e-bikes. Yeah. Well, good luck there. Uh, we're rooting for Delfast and company. So, uh, so this is another. Kind of a crazy situation here. Uh, the Fido Beast review. Watch this powerful electric scooter turn into a hilarious two-wheeled go-kart. Yeah, this is one of the more interesting scooters I've reviewed in uh, ever because <laughs> it is conventionally a off-road electric scooter. You know, it's got um, full suspension, big knobby tires, uh, wide deck. You know, it looks like any other off-road scooter. The exception that it also has a little seat foot pegs that fold out and the handlebars fold down and turn it into what you're seeing here, which is basically a go-kart style ride. And it's it's interesting because when you ride this thing in the seated position, it still steers like a two-wheeled vehicle. You know, you bank into turns um, and it, it rides like a scooter, but you 
get the riding sensation of a go-kart, you know, something that you're sitting down, you've got, you know, sort of like steering wheels in your hands and your feet out in front of you, but you're still moving those bars like side to side, which is a very weird sensation. And when I, I started riding this as a standing scooter, and then when I flipped it into the sort of go-kart setup for the first like two minutes, I kept having to put my feet down and I was all wobbly because the whole idea of steering by kind of like moving a tiller is, oh, yeah. is not, you know, it, it doesn't flow naturally until your brain kind of clicks. So it took me about two minutes or so of riding around until it was like, okay, now I'm starting to get the turning. But once it clicked, oh my gosh, it was so much fun and like way more fun than standing too. So if you're going to mm. be getting one of these, I think you're probably going to be riding it in the seated position most of the time because it's just, it's such a thrill. Now you don't have as good visibility, you know, you're down low, but it rides so nicely and so much fun when you're, you're that low and you got your feet out in front of you, you know, sort of again, like that cruiser layout and you just, you're in like a leaning go-kart. There's, there's like no other way to describe it. It's it's the weirdest little two-wheeled go-kart I've, I've ever ridden. And, and how are, I mean, I, I see the suspension on there, right? How are the bumps? Is like, if you hit a big bump, are you going to have back problems for your lifetime or? So I did uh, multiple times sort of get my butt airborne, you know, like it's, I would say the damping is lacking. It's, it's not that it's going to break your spine in half, mm -hmm. but if anything, you know, it, it sometimes rockets you up a little bit because it's a little, a little springy. more springy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, though, if anything, I would say the suspension worked better in the seated position. I'm not entirely sure why, but it was uh, a bit rougher standing, but I, I really enjoyed it in the seated position uh, when I wasn't getting airborne. <laughs> yeah, it looks like the seat might have a little, I don't know, kind of looks like there's some suspension there or something, or a little bit of flex, um, I guess. Maybe yeah, not. I think it's meant to be rigid. I mean, it, you do have a, a cushion there too, which certainly right. helps. You know, it's a little bit of primitive suspension there right um but then you know with the big tires there's a lot of air there and the the dual uh springs and back it's got pretty good suspension i would say now it's yeah. you'd expect that from i think it's like 2300 2400 i think so you know if you're paying that much you should you know expect some pretty good suspension and in terms of price i don't know it's it's like borderline in terms of of if the value is there or not mm -hmm. But for such an, an innovative and new style of ride, I would say if, you know, you've got 2,400 bucks laying around, it's definitely a fun way to get around. Yeah. And maybe like throw a big orange flag on there if you're riding low so that cars can see you. you know, That's not safety, a bad idea at all. Safety reasons. All right. Our last um, story of the day is Harley Davidson's Livewire unveils more affordable Del Mar electric motorcycle and it teases a third model. So big news if you're into full-size electric motorcycles, or in this case, perhaps mid-size electric motorcycles, that we finally have the unveiling of the newest Harley-Davidson uh, Harley Livewire bike. The Del Mar is essentially a middleweight class bike. Um, you know, we're talking a smaller battery, something in the 100-mile city range. So, you know, if you took this on a highway... You would probably probably be getting somewhere in like the 50 to 60 mile range. They have not announced the top speed yet. You know, we're still waiting on a few of these specs, but it'll probably fall somewhere in like a zero FX range of 80, 85 miles an hour. And so uh, while we await those last specs, 
What we do know is we have pricing information, which is probably the next most common question from everybody, right? And so we know the bike is going to cost $15,000, though there was a launch edition of 100 uh, limited edition, uniquely numbered bikes for, I think it was $17,700. And impressively, those sold out in 18 minutes. So for anyone who says there's no demand for Harley's electric bikes, allow me to present you with the launch edition of the Del Mar. You know, I'm actually surprised it took that long. Uh, yeah. I, I bet a lot of people had their pocketbook ready for this one. Um, we were kind of hoping ahead of time that it was going to be a little bit less, but, you know, frankly, with Harley's branding and, you know, all that, all that goes along with it, uh, it's a pretty good price, I think. Um, yeah. And, and there's more to come too. I mean, this is their second model, but it uses a platform that they've developed that they can put even smaller and more affordable bikes on. So their next model, we don't know anything about it, but we do know that it's planned to be a light electric motorcycle. So that probably means that structural battery pack is smaller, the motor is smaller, and the $15,000 price tag is going to be smaller. You say 15,000? Yeah. So this model is 15, but, um, for the third, you know, it could be if they could hit ten thousand dollars. I mean, That'd that be would nice. be, yeah, that would bring a lot of people into it, and and that's important for for Livewire, uh, Harley's electric brand, because they're, uh, I mean, they're basically staking their their future on bringing in millennials, uh, you know, younger riders, uh, the type of riders that haven't been swayed by this legacy Harley uh, lifestyle brand, you know, right. and that that they're looking for something else that maybe they they want to take advantage of Harley's production and their um, you know, huge dealer network, but they're not interested in the, you know, bar and shield chromed out Harley lifestyle. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, we'll, uh, keep an eye on that. I, I think, uh, Harley's doing some exciting things here. So, um, let's head into the questions, um, and comments. Um, we got some stuff early on. Hi, Seth. Hi, Micah. Hi, Tora. Um, hi, Kyle. Yes. Hi, Kyle. Um, Let's see. Uh, Adbucket says, I wish more e-bike companies would make BMX style e-bikes. Love the zoos and the Rip Racer is absolutely tempting to me. Um, yeah, the Rip Racer, I think, is kind of the the exciting uh, piece of the puzzle there. But we've also looked at the zoos. Um, even Pedigo has a uh, similar looking um, BMX style bike. And, you know, Pedigo locations are all over the U.S. So uh, there's there's starting to be some BMX options out there. Yeah, it's growing. Uh, what's the max speed throttle only with the off-road kit, and what will be the cost? I think is he still talking about the? Uh, yeah, I think for racer. the Rip Racer. Yeah, um, I I think if I'm not mistaken that it still does uh, twenty in race mode. Uh, I, th- I think you have to pedal to get over twenty, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but if there's like an off-road, like a purely off-road programming, then perhaps that can be removed. That speed limit. That's cool. All right. Um, Tyler Donahoe, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit. If they aren't going to make bike lanes and they expect us to share the road, faster bikes are actually safer. So I agree with this a hundred percent. Like I feel much safer if I'm able to go car speed than bike speed. Uh, he continues, it's much better to keep up with the speed of traffic. It discourages dangerous passing. Agree 100%. Yeah, we're, we're right there with you, Tyler. Cool. All right, Jay Paul, what are your thoughts about the new fluid free ride Mosquito? So we haven't tested this yet, but it's a new scooter that was just unveiled. And 
Um, it should be going into production soon, and we hope to have one in the next month or two as soon as they start sending those out. It's a very lightweight scooter, but it still gets something like, I want to say, 25 miles an hour. So for the kind of person that wants a, you know, a portable go track style scooter, but doesn't want a, you know, weak, low performance model. So we don't know too much about how well it works yet, but hopefully we'll be talking about it after having tested it in the next few months. And we we do love our fluid free rides. I think there's a few others that we've looked at as well, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a great company. Um, Julian that uh, runs it. Awesome dude. You know, they're local in Miami. So, you know, people can come by and check them out that are in Florida. Just uh, you know, a great U.S.-based uh, scooter company. All right. Tyler Donahoe is back. When I commute on the e-bike, most drivers think I'm on a light motorcycle. The reaction to my presence is likely ambivalence or pity. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you want you want some something like that, I guess. Uh, Tyler Donahoe c- continues. When I commute in the spandex on a road bike, all the drivers feel is rage. Uh, sorry to hear that, but uh, uh, that is the most badass thing I've seen on a bike. Good lord! I, th- I think we're talking about the uh, the missile launcher, or oh, not the cacti on the Specialized? Maybe I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. <laughs> probably, probably the probably the in law, yeah. <laughs> You know, the, the cacti, nobody's going to mess with you if you got cacti on four four corners there, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of a passive defense. Yeah. Uh, all right. Nico Theron, ex, uh, the motorcycle and the Delfast piqued my interest. Well, you know, this is a good way to get the uh, a, a win for the marketing department as well. Uh, you know, you're not only saving the country, but uh, you get some marketing as well. Um. Continuing there, those things are probably silent compared to regular vehicles, electric motors versus loud motorcycle engine. Yep, tactical advantage. Uh, Nico says, I like the rumble. Most idiots in vehicles, highway, don't see a bike. They hear it, but from a tactical standpoint, yeah, fully agree. Um, Yeah, I think we're talking mostly about motorcycles that are loud. I don't know if I agree with the tactical advantage or the the highway. Yeah, I, I I hate motorcycle noise. (laughs) <laughs> um, I bet there's going to be a huge surplus of Delfast bikes after the war is over. I wonder if Ukraine has a Craigslist. It's <laughs> uh, a good question. Uh, Dan Stanners is getting a ride up 700 delivered today. Excited to join the community. Awesome. Yeah, I think that was uh, it's like a thousand dollars or something. That one. Uh, so that's one of their nicer models. I think it's closer to. 1600 at this point um, okay but it's yeah it's a very nice commuter bike uh is that great specs. does it have a belt drive that what one does thinking? not that's okay you're thinking of their roadster uh okay. roadster v2 which does have a belt drive and is a thousand bucks okay all right uh can the fido seat be removed so that's the scooter we were looking at that you can sit on negative you're stuck with it all right i mean if you if you've got a uh, jaws of life, you can do just about anything you want. <laughs> uh, you could put a suspension seat post or something fabricated right there if you can lift the seat up. Uh, good luck. Uh, I don't think I'd ever use the scooters, but something that's highway capable and trikeable, I'd be all in on probably. That's an interesting use case there. I don't know about that. And fast charging, of course, helps. All right, uh, but cost versus cost, I'd probably buy a used Harley or something else and black it out a lot cheaper. All right, getting a little off topic. Tyler Donahoe, I feel like sub 10K is the dream for millennials and Gen Z, this upcoming recession, which kind of seems 
unavoidable at this point. Won't leave us a lot of money for these things. Yeah, I guess uh, you know, there's a whole other level of bikes, and Mike has talked about this quite a bit with like Sondors and the Kel- Kelter, I think. Um, Coulter. Coulter, yeah. Uh, and the the City CTY. Um, and sorry, the uh, Onyx. Oh, the Onyx, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a whole other category of bikes that are a little less expensive. So something for everybody. Um, and, and finally, hi, Kyle, again, uh, we put out great shows. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kyle. And, uh, I think Kyle's helping us close it out there. So thank you everyone else for watching. I hope you enjoyed, uh, this week's collection of e-bike stories, and we'll be back in two weeks for another fortnight's worth of electric bike and electric mobility news. We'll see you again next time, everyone.